Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunded campaign success and better physical product businesses. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and each week I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert designed to help you take your startup to the next level. If you're interested in learning what we're all about and kickstarting your own crowdfunding campaign, check out artofthekickstart.com slash checklist. You'll get our entire guide to crush your campaign and take your business to new heights. But now, let's get on with the show. Guys, before we jump into the interview, I want to thank today's show sponsor, eFulfillmentService.com, the company that's helping crowdfunders everywhere. Guys, welcome back to Art of the Kickstart. Today, we've got an awesome interview, something completely outside the box. Today, we have Austin Evans. And Austin, Austin's a YouTube stud. He does product reviews. <laughs> He's a killer with videographer, however you pronounce the word, not even sure. <laughs> We've got Austin on to share the ins and outs of YouTube marketing, how to create an incredible product video and some other cool stuff like that. Thanks for coming, Austin. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. So let's start with your story because to be honest, we've never had a YouTube guy on here. How in God's name do you get into YouTube and get up to the point where you nearly have a million subscribers? Yeah, man. So uh, I've been doing this for a long time. So I my first video was posted just a little bit over six years ago. And it was it was a different world back then. I mean, today, it's it's very clearly there's a business model, right? Like you can, you know, there, there are lots of ways to make money, whether it's working with brands, whether it's just getting a lot of views and AdSense. Like, there's a lot of ways to to make a living on YouTube today. But, you know, six years ago, it was definitely not the case. I mean, when I first uh, started, there was this thing called the YouTube Partner Program, which is still kind of around, but not really. They they made some major changes a couple of years ago. But back at the time, there were a fairly small number of of creators who were able to make some money off of the ad revenue that YouTube was making on the videos. So I believe it was just like a normal split. There's nothing crazy about it. And yeah, at the time, a few people were making like an actual you know full time living off of it, but it was nowhere near the level that it is today. So I made videos for a while, had a good time. It was really mostly for fun. I knew that at the beginning it was it was a possibility that yes, I could actually make some money on this somehow at some point, whether it would be you know a few bucks here or there, or actually some kind of full time living. But uh, yeah, just over the years, YouTube is just it's just exploded. It's absolutely just gotten massive. Just being able to make videos and and watch them online that the whole industry is just upending so much stuff right now and. I was just fortunate enough to to kind of get into it at the right time where even though I started at 16, I had no idea what I was doing. I was able to, you know, make tons and tons of mistakes at the, you know, the very early days where no one really had anything figured out. So by the time that, you know, the business side of YouTube actually started to get serious, I kind of had a little bit of an idea of what was going on and kind of how to take advantage of it. So I want to launch a Kickstarter. That means a video is wicked freaking important. But if I make the mistakes, I'm also kind of screwed. What are some video mistakes that people make that you made that people can kind of avoid? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's an open-ended, massive question. Go wherever oh, you want to go. Oh, oh, I, I made so many mistakes. I mean, just making an engaging video is so much more complicated than a lot of people give it credit for. I think that, you know, everyone can watch a video or most people can watch a video and, you know, pretty easily determine that, oh, that was really good. That was really funny, whatever. But if you actually ask someone, like, look, this is a great video that, you know, everyone kind of agrees it's great, but what makes it great? That's a question that a lot of people really can't answer. And it's something that took me a long time to kind of understand just what went into making a, an interesting and engaging video. So 
I mean, dude, to, to give you an idea of where I started from, I didn't even own a camera when I got uh, started on YouTube. I literally took screenshots on my iPod Touch and I stole the microphone from my PlayStation, plugged it into my laptop and did the voiceover. <laughs> like that was that was how far. <laughs> so I made a lot of mistakes between uh, between then and now. But I think the big thing is just trying to understand the audience that you're, you're trying to talk to. For me, I talk a lot about technology. So, you know, the audience tends to be kind of similar to I am, you know, maybe like a teenage dude or a dude who's like in his, you know, 20s, 30s, that kind of stuff. Like, I, it's, it's the kind of person that I am. So it's easy to kind of understand how to talk to that guy and explain all the different stuff about technology and stuff. But just being able to understand your audience and understand what makes an interesting video and what makes a boring, stupid video that no one wants to watch is, is a really, really big key thing. Yeah, most people can tell something's great, but you can rarely tell why. And it's only really the experts, the people that have gone through it, that can tell why something is great. So when you, yeah. first, when you first started out, so what was it like on camera? I know just getting on the mic is terrifying, <laughs> but people, they, they've got to film these Kickstarter videos. They've got to be there going, this is what I did, guys, and it's incredible. You should pay me money. How do you get comfortable <laughs> on camera and dominate to the point where you actually have a presentable video at least? Yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, there's no right answer to just like getting in front of the camera and just talking. And it's, you can't just magically make it interesting and engaging. I think being able to to look at the camera and just speak to it as if it's a person, right? A lot of people, I mean, it's easier these days because everyone, you know, it's always like I'm shooting videos like on Facebook and live streaming, all these kind of stuff. So I feel like these days people are a lot more comfortable around a camera. And, you know, I, I remember in some of the early days when I was filming, I would like try to get someone in my video and they would just freak out. I'm like, oh, I don't go on cameras and stuff. And now those same people don't think twice about it if I ask. So I think it's just being comfortable in front of the camera. Don't be nervous. Don't be shy. I think one of the big things that kind of helped me get over any kind of, of barriers to actually wanting to, to record videos was the fact that I was the one editing the video. If I make a mistake at any time, I know that I'm the guy who can cut it out, disappears, no one ever needs to see it. And kind of having that in the back of your head that you can feel free to make a mistake. You can feel free to look like an idiot. You can feel free to take a risk. And if it doesn't work, chop it out, edit it out. No one needs to see it. I think that's something that you can't really guard yourself too closely in front of the camera and still expect that your personality and your voice is really going to be able to be heard. If you're very, you know, quiet and closed-minded or you don't want to really kind of let it out and, you know, be excited and, and, you know, maybe you might look like an idiot on camera and, you know, who knows, but you got to be able to willing to take those risks. And, you know, if it doesn't work, you can cut, ch chop it out. No big deal. But just being able to, to <laughs> just be able to talk on camera and not be worried about what you're going to look or sound like is, is something that really is very helpful. Absolutely. I heard I had someone tell me when I was filming uh, the Crowdfund Academy course, guys, they said, you have to amplify yourself because when you get on camera, yes. it seems as if and you can't really explain why. I don't know why. Maybe you know why. But we seem to kind of shrink. We become quieter. We're a little more nervous, even though we think we're giving it our all. You've got to get pumped up ahead of time and really try to come off 110, 120% because that's actually just going to be who you are normally. You've got to kind oh, yeah. of get out there and keep, keep going at it. I think another thing that definitely helped you, I mean, you were 16, which basically means you were invincible. A car could hit you <laughs> and it would fold in half. You were ready to take on the world and you've clearly done a great job with it. You've got Thank you. nearly a million followers at this point. What goes into creating a following on YouTube? A lot of brands want to do it. It's different as a brand versus an individual. How does an individual do it? And how can a brand kind of mimic or use that strategy to crush it? 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's a big question. I think for me, it was all about experimentation. So like I said earlier, I started when I was 16. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. So for me, I had, you know, I really spent about two years just trying new things and just completely changing, you know, like I started with those iPod app reviews. And I started talking about stuff like iPhones when they started coming out. And I just kept changing, you know, whether it be, you know, for a while there, I was talking about news. So, you know, a new phone will be announced. I'll make a video and, you know, I'll be the very top of the search results and I would get, you know, a lot of views and subscribers and stuff. So it was all, it's always been really, even today, it's always been about experimentation and trying new things. I think for a lot of the time, it's easy to to make a video and it's not that interesting. It's not that engaging and no one cares. And sometimes you just got to shelf it and, you know, it didn't work out. But every once in a while, you'll make some new piece of content and it'll completely change just the way you do everything. And I, I think a good example of this would be gaming computer builds. So about three years or so into me making videos, I started looking into wanting to build my own gaming PC. I had a laptop. It wasn't very good at the time. And so I had started watching some videos and, you know, started planning out my own build. And after I did it, I was like, wow, this is really fun. I should make a video on it. So I made a budget gaming PC build. It basically just an explanation of, you know, all the parts and all the things that you need to do for $500 to build yourself a gaming PC. That video did really well. So I made another one and another one. And, you know, three years later, it's by far the most popular thing on my channel. So I never would have even dreamed, you know, and, you know, seeing I'm making a giant Google Doc of all the ideas I want to have, that would never have been in the, the master plan. But it was just a random video I decided to do one day, and it went well, and I just capitalized on that and just kept making more of them. So I think being able to understand what works and what doesn't work, and being, like I said, not afraid to fail, try stuff, and you never know if it works, jump on it, keep making more, and it could just completely just change your entire outlook on just your strategy and how people view you. It's, it's really interesting how much of it is just left up to chance. And, you know, you see something that's really doing well, you jump on it and you go for it. It's like you, you see TV and you see all these commercials and they all suddenly create like these series. You've got the caveman over and over. You've got the gecko again and again. Oh, life could be worse. Life could be worse. It seems like when you discover something that works, you just roll with it until if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think the fact oh, that yeah. you were building one on your own that definitely had to impact it. So just throwing in that extra personality. So let let me let's play a little game. Let's say I've got a business. I okay, I'm okay. actually build, I'm actually building a business. Shido, and we're making a laptop case and stand. If I want to pitch that to you or if I want to build a network and a channel around that, should I be Matt the business owner or should I be Shido the company that creates this? How do I go about building a following most successfully in your experienced opinion as someone who wants to use YouTube primarily to get people to buy stuff and get more followers? Yeah, so I definitely think the more personal approach is is much more likely to work, at least in, in my case. I can tell you my inbox every day is a complete disaster. <laughs> there's always tons of companies and you know press releases and it's just there's a constant stream of just information that's just flowing into my inbox and whether it's you know brands that want to work with me whether it's companies who want me to take a look at one of their products whether it's just you know news like there's just a constant stream of this stuff and what do you ignore what do you go what do you go into because i get the same (laughs) problem and that's that's huge how does someone pitch someone like you how do they make it engaging how do they make it not suck yeah so i think the thing that you don't want to do is just send out some blanket like hey this is my name this is my product please check it out like Everyone does that and it's just, there's no personality, the there's nothing there. Right, absolutely. However, some of the things that I really like are when someone actually takes the time to watch my channel, watch some videos, 
Maybe pitch me something like, hey, I know you like to do this particular series. I think that this product would work great into it. We'd love to help you out. You know, do this, this, this. You know, actually make it clear that you have watched the channel and you haven't just scrolled through like the top tech YouTubers and just grabbed everyone's email addresses and just sent a blanket, you know, thing out to them. I think that's something that when someone really wants to to work together and actually has an idea, and it's not just like, here, can I send you this $10 thing? And can you please give me a bunch of free promotion? Like that's not, that's not how it works. So Austin, I get way too much email and I'm sure you get at least 10 to 100 times what I get of just people pitching you press releases and rubbish. How does someone grab your attention with a subject line actually get on your mind? Yeah, so I think the big thing is it's got to be interesting. If it's like, hey, I have a Bluetooth speaker, want to review it? Probably not going to get me all that interested. But if it's something interesting or unique or just something that pops, right? And there's always someone who's trying to, you know, send a, you know, some crazy title or whatever, but just have an interesting title. Like, hey, we want to work with you. There's something, you know, cool about the product. I open up the email and then there's actually some kind of plan or some kind of idea as opposed to, can I please send you this $5 thing and can you give us a bunch of free promotion? Thanks. Like, as long as there's something more personal there, then usually it's something I'll actually, you know, respond to and try to work with. But if it's just something generic that someone just sends over, like, Bluetooth speaker available for review, click here. It's not really, it's not really going to do too much for me. Absolutely. You want to have something that's kind of cool and exciting. And we were talking about this a little bit before the program, but how is crowdfunding starting to play into what you're doing with YouTube? Yeah, so I've worked briefly with a couple of uh, crowdfunding projects, mostly on the promotion side of things. And it's, it's been an interesting experience because, I mean, like you were saying earlier, a lot of these companies, they want a video, right? You want to have a video that, you know, helps launch your product or even you want to have a video that helps promote the product when it actually comes out. So, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting experience for sure. I think that it makes a lot of sense on my end because, you know, there's always some new product and, you know, there's, you know, it's lots and lots of people cover it. But when it's actually something that's brand new that hasn't even necessarily been announced yet, and I can be one of the people who actually helped to promote it when it's, you know, first launched. I think that's really fun for me because so much of, you know, what I do is all about trying to get the, you know, this, this new video up first, whether it's on a phone or, you know, some computer or whatever it is. So being able to actually work with some of these companies and, and help launch their Kickstarter or their Indiegogo or, you know, whatever it might be, that's a lot of fun for me. And there's Indiegogo has their referral system now where you can get some nice little benefits, some free gifts, maybe even some money by sending people to campaigns. That's uh, definitely going to change the game with some YouTube outreach in the future, I think. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. So I hadn't heard of that before you had mentioned it. But yeah, I think that has a lot of potential because yeah, a lot of a lot of these companies, you know, if you're starting a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, odds are you don't have some giant marketing budget to pay a bunch of, you know, video creators to make a ton of videos. So being able to actually have something on the back end as far as like referrals, that's actually, I think, a really cool thing that could kind of push a lot of people over the edge to actually be able to do a video and help promote. It'll also push a lot of people over the edge to Indiegogo. They're significantly more innovative than Kickstarter, in my opinion, at this point. Not something yeah. you're not something you're necessarily into yet, but I think you're gonna be getting into that in the future. Yeah. I think it's it's been really interesting to kind of watch the the progression of Indiegogo and Kickstarter, like as the years have gone by. But I do see, for at least from what I've, I've been gathering, is like a lot of these big projects I've been following, a lot of these things have been launching on Indiegogo. I'm seeing fewer and fewer things uh, kind of come out on Kickstarter. Yep, Indiegogo is stepping up the game. Kickstarter, it's calling you out if you listen to this. You probably don't, <laughs> but you probably should. Let's, let's get back to you, though, Austin. Back to videos and making it awesome, because that's what most people want. That's what I need to do with Shido Stand. I think you do a great job 
on your review video. So I was watching a couple of them, the Samsung one, there was one with a MacBook, and I think you do a really good job of balancing features and benefits. Can you go a little hmm. bit deeper into that? What sells a product review? What's the best way to explain something to people? And how do you still make it exciting and not just boring as hell? Yeah, that's, that's a huge problem, man. I mean, like I said, I've been doing this for like six years. So I've done a lot of videos on you know phones and computers and tablets and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, one of the things is just trying to make sure that I do keep it interesting. Because yeah, sure, there's always going to be some new product. And that part of the video can be new. But if every other part of the video is the exact same thing that people have been watching for years, it gets stale. So yeah, that's one thing I always try to kind of change the format up, whether it's, you know, adding new graphics, changing the editing style, trying, you know, maybe like a different length of video. So, you know, maybe like a shorter video or longer video, just always changing the format to try to see what works best and, you know, kind of taking advantage of the things that work and kind of throwing away the things that don't. But uh, yeah, I think as far as like creating like a, a good video that's actually really interesting to watch. I think it really just comes down to a lot of experience. I mean, there there are lots of little things that add up majorly. I mean, you know, something simple is like, you know, having a good microphone. That really, really helps actually, you know, sell your products. If you want to, you know, watch a video and the audio is terrible, you're just immediately wanting to leave. Same thing goes for like the video, just making it interesting and just respecting people's time. I think that's a lot of, a lot of people kind of try to cram as much information and as many of the, the talking points as they can into the video. And while that might be nice to, you know, hit all the things you want to mention, but you have to respect people's time. If someone's going to click on a video and you spend five minutes talking about specs and, you know, all these intricate little things, people probably are not going to care. So a lot of times you need to simplify, you need to make sure that, you know, you understand the audience that you're talking to and you can make it easy for them to actually understand what you're talking about. Go a little deeper into that because I think that's huge. Attention deficit disorder, that's our generation. How do you make something <laughs> engaging? Yeah, yeah. Once, so I once think it kind of time the... to switch it up. Yeah, so I, I think one of the most useful tools to actually to learn about this is the YouTube analytics. So if you do upload your videos to YouTube, they have just incredible analytics on all sorts of different topics. But I think one of the most important ones is the audience retention. So uh, especially if, you, if you're interested in getting a lot of views on YouTube and trying to kind of play nice with their algorithms, you know, really making sure that you optimize your watch time is very, very key. So YouTube weighs the watch time. In a lot of different ways, whether it's in search results, whether it's in recommended videos, et cetera, et cetera. And they really do value videos that get someone to come onto the platform and stay there, right? So take, for example, uh, okay, so I have this new product video, right? So it's on a phone or, you know, whatever it is. But I have this new video. Someone clicks over from, say, Facebook onto the video. They watch it, you know, 10 seconds in and then they leave. YouTube majorly penalizes that video. YouTube realizes that, you know, they had an opportunity to get someone on the site and spend some time and it didn't work and someone immediately left. So they're going to try to bury that video as much as possible. On the flip side, if I have that same video and someone watches the entire thing, maybe they like it and maybe they watch two or three more videos in that same session back to back, then YouTube really tries to promote that video because that means that, you know, someone, instead of spending 10 seconds on the site, maybe spent 20 minutes. And instead of being able to serve one ad, they served five. So being able to really optimize your watch time and just watching the analytics. So like I said, the, the YouTube analytics are amazing, but watching the, the retention, the audience retention is so key because it shows very, very clearly where, you know, every, every, every video starts at 100%, everyone who clicks it's watching. And you see throughout the video, you know, these little dips as people, more and more people leave the video and seeing where these dips happen more frequently. So if you lose 30% of your viewers in the first 10 seconds, now that's not good. You probably should be changing up how you do your the intro to your video. Likewise, maybe halfway through the video, you see 5% of people drop off. 
well, maybe you said something wrong. Maybe there was something boring. You know, there's all kinds of things that you can learn by just paying attention to these analytics. I think it's definitely one of the most key things, not only just for trying to to play nice with YouTube's algorithms, but just trying to understand what about your video people are enjoying and what part of the video people just want to bail on. Yeah, because there's really two important characteristics. A, I'm glad that you brought up some of the YouTube SEO. We're going to jump into that in a sec. I didn't even have to ask about it. You did a great job on that one, Austin. And B, making a video that actually is engaging for your audience. It's not just about YouTube. (laughs) It's not just about getting views. If you're putting out junk, you're going to get junk for results. You're going to get junk for fans. You want to, if you want to build a following, something like you've done, something like the great brands have done, you've got to be consistently successful and consistently delivering to people. And I think that's huge that you brought up analytics and understanding how people interact with your video and then incrementally improving upon that, looking at when people drop off. It's not necessarily something that crowdfunders can do with Kickstarter, but when you're getting into the product side of things and looking at how customers interact with your brand and your video or channel on a daily basis, that's something that can be up-leveled. But YouTube SEO, let's go a little bit deeper into that. If I want to rank something on YouTube, briefly give us the algorithm. I know it's really complex because it's a Google company, but what can you tell (laughs) us? Yeah, so the algorithm, it's like a black box, right? We have ideas of how it works and, you know, certain strategies kind of take advantage of it better than others. But there's no, you know, black and white, you know, 30% of it comes from this and 20% of it comes from this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, some of the things that I found to be the most helpful is, like I said, watch time. Um, I would put that at a very high degree of, you know, maybe 50% of the views are based on, you know, having good watch time. Stuff like the thumbnail and the title are also very important. So, I mean, there are small tips like, for example, you know, making sure that if it's a product, put the na- product name at the very beginning of the title. Um, YouTube does a lot of things as far as weighing. Like, for example, the first word of a title is more important than the last word. Same thing with your tag. So, Put your most important tags first and, you know, maybe like your company name and some of the, the lesser important tags on the farther uh, on the bottom, stuff like the description. So when you go to click on a video uh, in the YouTube search, you'll see that you'll see the thumbnail, you'll see the title and you'll see the first couple lines of your description. So these are also the same lines that when you click on the video are uh, visible. You can ex- click to expand more and you can have like extra links and stuff. But those first couple lines are very important. Not only just because, you know, those are the, you know, the most important things to be able to either put, you know, maybe like a link or some kind of mention of the, the product name or whatever, because like I said, those first couple lines, they show up in search. So there are a lot of little things that you can do to kind of take advantage of YouTube SEO. And it's nothing too crazy. Google definitely does like YouTube videos and they like to promote them in search. And thankfully, it's not anything crazy. It's, it's typically pretty straightforward stuff, but just making sure that you optimize your attention and you get a good title, you get a good thumbnail. And you, you take advantage of the, uh, the top couple lines of your description. Those are some of the real key elements. And the real keys are what people need. It's the 80-20. And I think you've given us the 20 we need. You've been awesome so far, Austin. And when I say so far, that sounds like such a dick thing. But no, really, <laughs> you've done such a great job as a guest. I think you've helped break down YouTube. I got one last, maybe two last questions for you. We'll see. So Go for you've, it. A, you've built a great following. Have you ever considered crowdfunding your own products? I mean, you've got the wow. tech following already. Wow. Um, you know, I've actually, I've never even considered it, to be totally honest with you. I think my head is so deeply into the product space of, of talking about other things that I've never really considered making my own thing. So I don't know. I think it could be something that I try to approach down the line. But I guess f- for the time being, I'm, I'm totally happy, you know, making my own videos and kind of 
you know, in, enjoying that as opposed to having to make stuff. That's that sounds like way too much work. <laughs> yeah, you should partner with somebody. You can be the pro. You can be the jobs. Find yourself a Wozniak, and you are ready to roll. <laughs> so, last question, Austin. You've been really cool to have on. You're a fun guy. I Thank want you. One piece of advice for inventors, entrepreneurs, product creators, brands, yada yada, whatever. Anyone who might be listening, if you could share one thing with them that might just be universally or at least kind of applicable, what would you tell them? Oh, wow. That's a big one. Um, I just put way too many caveats in there. So take it as you (laughs) will. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think the most important thing is just to understand your audience, understand the people you're talking to. So whether it's some product that you're trying to sell, whether it's some video that you're trying to make, understand the people that you are wanting to talk to and try to tailor that message for those people. So I think that's been something that for a little while I didn't quite understand. And once I started to kind of look in, obviously, analytics, I talk about them all the time, but analytics are very, very helpful for kind of understanding the people who are watching your videos or, you know, checking out your 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 stuff at the moment, but trying to understand what kind of target audience you want to go for. So, you know, for example, I talk very fast in my videos. And that is something that that's a conscious decision because my demographic is primarily younger and, you know, young people, I feel like can, uh, can handle t- fast talking people on YouTube. That's kind of the, the norm. But, you know, it's, it's easy for me to, for example, when I'm watching or showing a video to someone else, you know, maybe they're a little bit older, maybe they're not quite so tech savvy. I can lose them very quickly. And that's a kind of a trade off there. And it's, it's something minor. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But, you know, if I want to do more of like an educational style video, so, you know, maybe I want to explain how some technology works. I make a conscious effort to slow down how I talk, you know, slow down the video, just slow down the entire pace because I'm not trying to rapid fire, spend three minutes talking about this new phone and go through a bunch of features and that kind of stuff. I actually want to do some explaining and it's, it's a different audience who are going to be watching this video and it's a different audience who want to be actually listening and not just hearing, waiting for the end of the video to say, yes, you should buy it or no, you shouldn't, but rather they actually want to learn something. So just something minor like that can be super helpful to know just to understand that the audience that you're talking to might not always be the same. So make sure that you understand and kind of tailor the message for whoever it is that you're talking to. Austin, I think that's huge. You have to tailor your branding and your messaging to who you're selling to. Because let's face it, different different strokes for different folks. Thanks for coming on today, Austin. You've been cool. Yeah, absolutely. Where is the best place for people to check you out? They need to come check out your YouTube videos if they haven't already. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, awesome, man. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, so if anyone wants to check out my videos, you can go to youtube.com slash Austin Evans. That's where you'll find like 1100 videos. Um, it's all about technology and stuff, but, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Wow. 1100. I couldn't find a total video count, but that is incredibly (laughs) impressive. This is what Seth Godin was talking about, guys. It's dedication to your craft, doing it over and over and slowly building those reviews, slowly building those subscribers. You've done a great job, Austin. I think you've helped enlighten us, at least enlighten me a little bit about (laughs) <laughs> how YouTube works and how to how to be a little bit more successful with that. And do you have a website anywhere else people can check you out? No, no website currently. Uh, it's pretty much all about YouTube, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, that kind of stuff. But if you find YouTube, that's 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 where all the fun stuff's at. <laughs> that's where it counts. Thanks for coming on today, Austin. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and have an awesome day or night in your case. Cool. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart. The show all about building a better business, world, and life with physical products. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and if you've enjoyed today's episode, 
should check out artofthekickstart.com. You can find access to all our past episodes, get our Kickstarter Crush It Guide, and if you love the episode, be sure to leave us a review, artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors and entrepreneurs find the show and helps us get better guests on here to help you grow your business. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, have a great and productive week. Go build something incredible.